This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Politics by Faith. My name is Mike Slater. Thank you for being here. So the, the purpose of the show is to take a story of the day that's making us all anxious. This is not good. Anxiety is not good. So we provide some historical perspective and biblical peace to help that anxiety go away. The main way the anxiety goes away is by understanding and realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. We've been here before. It's all been done before. I love it when there's a story, and today's a perfect example, when there's a story in the news that seems new and unique, but it's in the Bible. How can this thing that we're talking about today, how could this possibly be in the Bible? It's there. It's all there. Everything's there. So let's do it. Here's the story of the day. By 2025, which sounds like forever, it's less than two years, 90% of what you read online will be artificial intelligence generated, AI generated, computer generated, not written by a real person. And you'll never be able to tell. Very soon, the music you listen to will be written and performed by an AI computer. There are models and influencers on the internet who are not real, made up, fake person, and no one can tell. Maybe the most famous is, I guess it's pronounced Michaela, M-I-Q-U-E-L-A, on Instagram. I was going to say she has. It's not a real person. It's a made up fake person. But it has 2.9 million followers. <laughs> Microsoft has a new technology where after just three seconds of hearing a voice, AI, this artificial intelligence, can recreate the voice and it will say whatever you tell it to say. So three seconds of your voice can be input into the computer and then I can make this computer say whatever I want to say in your voice and no one can tell the difference. It's called Val-E, V-A-L-L-E. Chat GPT. Is an artificial intelligence that you can use for free right now, chatgpt.com, and you can tell it to write nearly anything, and it'll it'll write it, and it's amazing. <laughs> I shouldn't say amazing; it's horrif- It depends. Like, horrifying, amazing, incredible that the technology exists. That's for sure. But how it can be used is the horrifying thing. I'll explain ChatGPT more in in just a moment. The point of all these stories, and there's an artificial intelligence story, seems like every day. The short of this is nothing's real anymore. Nothing is real. Technology has never flown at the pace it is right now. The world, listen to this reality. The world we live in 10 years from now will be as different from today as 100 years ago. Does that make sense? So if you went back in time to 1923, the difference between today and 1923 is the same as the difference between today and 10 years from now, if not even less than that. That's how fast the world is changing. So let's talk about this in a little more detail. So the new thing is chat GPT. It's a chat bot. So you type in a prompt, it's free for now, and it will write 
a response out for you. And it's very hard to tell that it's not human. The New York Times wrote a story about this. They tell the story of a professor who was uh, grading papers and came across a paper that was, in the professor's words, easily the best paper in the class. It explored the morality of burqa bans with clean paragraphs, fitting examples, and rigorous arguments. A red flag instantly went up. <laughs> it was too good. This professor's like, this paper's way too good. Sure enough, it was written by chat GPT. So now this professor has all of his students write first drafts of papers in the classroom using computers with browsers that are monitored and restrict the access to certain sites like this. So it's you actually writing. So a buddy of mine who's a computer nerd, shout out to Will. He's the first one of my friends to come across it. So he wrote, this is the prompt, write a compelling and funny pro-life speech. So I travel across the country giving, I give pro-life speeches at uh, like fundraisers for pro-life pregnancy centers. And uh, so this, the chat bot came back. Uh, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here to talk to you about the importance of protecting human life, especially prenatal life. Now I know some of you might be thinking, oh no, not another boring pro-life speech. But fear not, my friends, because I promise to make this a lively and entertaining discussion. And then the chatbot goes into this about the science and then says, oh, let's not get bogged down by the science. Let me tell you a little story. Once upon a time, there was a young woman named Sue who found out she was pregnant. She was scared and unsure of what to do. So she went to see a wise old sage for advice. What should I do, wise sage? Sue asked. Well, my dear, that depends on what you want to do with your life. Do you want to be a mother and raise a child? Or do you want to have an abortion and end the life of your unborn baby? Sue was shocked by the sage's words. I don't want to end the life of my baby. I just don't know if I can handle the responsibility of being a mother. The sage nodded in understanding. I understand, Sue. Raising a child is a big responsibility. But you know what's even more responsible? Not killing your baby in the first place. Sue was stunned by the words. She never thought of it that way before. She realized that she wanted to give her child a chance at life no matter how hard it might be. So Sue decided to have her baby. And she was amazed at how much joy and love it brought into her life. She was grateful every day for the decision she made. And she was glad that she had chosen life. Every single life is valuable and worth protecting. And being pro-life isn't just about being against abortion. It's about being for life and supporting pregnant women and families. So let's do our part to protect human life from conception to natural death. Thank you for listening. Have a great evening. That was artificial intelligence. Took 0.4 seconds for that to pop out. So then my buddy said, write a compelling and funny pro-life speech in the style of a Western. And the chatbot wrote back, greetings, y'all. I'm here to talk to you about a mighty important topic, the gift of life. Now I know some of y'all might be thinking that a pro-life <laughs> goes, oh no, it's good. Now I know some of y'all might be thinking that a pro-life speech in the style of a Western is about as unlikely as a herd of cows flying over the moon. Like, what? So then my friend wrote, write another pro-life speech. The darkness enveloped me as I stumbled through the deserted streets, my heart pounding in my chest. And it goes so then it tells like a, like a more serious one. Unbelievable. And then it said, right, my buddy said, write another one. As I walked through the abandoned hospital, I could feel a sense of dread growing inside of me. And it tells another serious story. It's unreal. My friend wrote out the prompt, write a tweet in the style of Moses about how he stubbed his toe. And the AI wrote back, just stub my toe on a rock and let out a mighty curse. Truly, I am only human. Hashtag Moses, hashtag ouch, hashtag toe stub. Write a play about Moses striking the rock. Make it a comedy. Include some lines about what Moses was thinking. It goes on and it, it writes this unbelievable play. Wow. What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We 
avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are. And it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe, download now the truth. So, listen, those are some goofy examples. But you can tell to do anything and it will do it, which means eventually when it gets better, people won't need to do anything. And it's not just this one company. Google has built it. They have one called, I don't know how you pronounce these words, LaMDA, L-A-M-D-A. Microsoft is thinking about a $10 billion investment in open AI, a bunch of startups, uh, stability AI, character AI, the same things. Cheating at school is one thing. My worry is kids won't be able to think. They won't be able to think. Just like kids can't do anything anymore. <laughs> uh, no, let me give you an analogy. And there's millions more. Please send me one. Send me an analogy if you can think of one because I, I have to make this one of my crusades. SlaterRadio at gmail.com if you can think of another analogy like this. Kids have no concept of where food comes from. Back in the day, every kid knew where food came from because they grew it. And the food came from your backyard. You planted the vegetables. You watered the vegetables. You killed the chickens. Like you did it. There was this whole process of growing food and then you harvest the food, and then you prepare the food, and you eat the food. Today, kids don't know any of that. If you show kids a tomato, they don't know what a tomato is. You think I'm kidding. I'm not. Even when I was growing up, a kid's concept of food, like my concept of food, was distorted because I would go to the grocery store, and we would pick food, but like that was distorted because the chicken was already prepared. It was all cleaned up and cut up, and you just got these nice chicken breasts. But today... It's worse than that. Groceries are delivered. So to a young kid who grew up only knowing this world, food just magically appears at the front door. Just open up the door one day and there's all the food. It just came to you. You know how far away that is from the farm? And also that implies cooking. Most people today don't even cook. So prepared food just gets delivered to you magically. So in a hundred years, we went from people, kids, people, having a direct connection with food from start to finish, to now kids having zero connection with food. They don't even know what food is. So I think of that disconnect we have with food to now everything. Kids growing up with this chatbot technology won't know how to think on their own. I mean, we, we, we all know about how short our attention spans have become. 
it will go down to zero. People won't need to think. There's no need to. Just let the chatbot do all the thinking for you. That's scary stuff. So what's really going on here? And by the way, there's, I feel the need to talk more about what all these AI things are, but I, I haven't fully comprehended what is to come with it all. We're in the beginning stages of it, but it will happen fast. That I am certain. So what's really going on here? Uh, it's idolatry. It's idolatry. Idolizing what? Uh, ourselves, man, our knowledge, our brains, what humans can do. It's technology. With all this technology, the only question that people ask is, can we do it? No one's asking, should we? Like, should we come up with a technology where you can hear someone's voice for three seconds and then mimic their voice perfectly? Like, should we do that? There's no desire for wisdom. Why? We don't look to God anymore. Job 28, 28. And he said to man, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, we have no God, so no wisdom. We don't follow God. We don't look to God. Therefore, no wisdom. It's just technology full steam ahead. We worship the idol of technology. That will solve all of our problems. Not God. There is no God. But this new technology will make our lives easier and better. And we'll all be happier. <sighs> Man. <laughs> Let's lament. I, uh, I suppose it's like any technological change. There's going to be some good. I just wish people would also recognize and acknowledge the bad. And listen, I get it. Like, I don't want to live before cars were invented. Like, I prefer to have a car. That's a technology. But also a lot was lost with the invention of the car and the internet and the cell phone. And we don't mourn that. We don't lament that. I, ju I just want a society to consider the things we lose with every new technology. So cell phones, we all have one. You might be listening to this podcast on your cell phone right now. So it's good, but what are the bad things that have come out of it? What did we do before you could Google anything in a second, right? And we've all been there where you're with a group of people and you're having a conversation and something comes up and you're like, wait, what? what? Who won the World Series that year? Do who? And, and no one knows. You're trying to figure it out. And then everyone picks, takes out their phone and Googles it. You're like, okay, great. You got the answer. Is that better than the group of people continuing to talk? Because once you whip out your phone, it's over. Everyone's disconnected. I feel like I'd rather not know the answer than have everyone take out their phone and lose the momentum of the conversation and the connection. Not to mention, we've all been at dinner. Maybe you've been the person, if you're honest, who's at dinner with spouse or friends and everyone's on the phone. You've looked over at the table over there and they're having a date and they're both on their phone or the, maybe even sadder. I don't know. You look over and there's a, a dad and their young son or daughter and the young, young kids on a phone, not paying attention to the person right in front of them. How sad is that? So we've lost that. We've lost a lot. In 1998, there was a conference of religious leaders in Denver and Neil Postman gave a talk. And this is going to be the, the main source of, of inspiration for the episode today. You can Google it on the internet, on your computer. Neil Postman, five things we need to know about technological change. 
five things we need to know about technological change. Very short, worth the read. It's worth reading everything by Neil Postman, by the way. He said, technological change is not additive. It is ecological. Hmm, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? He said, I can explain this best by an analogy. What happens if we place a drop of red dye into a beaker of clear water? What happens? You have a beaker of clear water, you drop in some red dye. Do we have clear water plus a spot of red dye? No. We have a new coloration of every molecule of water. That is what I mean by ecological change. A new medium does not add something. It changes everything. Oh, unbelievable. This is the way you need to think about te technological change, a new technological addition. A new medium doesn't add something. It changes everything. In the year 1500, after the printing press was invented, you did not have old Europe plus the printing press. You had a different Europe. After television, America was not America plus television. Television gave a new coloration to every political campaign, to every home, to every school, to every church, to every industry, and so on. Ah, that's incredible. I lament a lot of those changes. And I lament the fact that there's going to be many more coming very soon. The world as you know it today will be completely different 10 years from now. 10 years from now, when all this artificial intelligence stuff is mainstream and, and very good, it will not be this world plus artificial intelligence. It will be totally different. Hmm. All right, in this section, I want to go through some more of what Neil Postman said about technological change. I want to go through three of his points. First, the first idea is that all technological change is a trade-off. I like to call it a Faustian bargain. Technology giveth and technology taketh away. That means that for every advantage a new technology offers, there's always a corresponding disadvantage. The disadvantage may exceed in importance the advantage, or the advantage may well be worth the cost. Now, this may seem a rather obvious idea, but you would be surprised at how many people believe that new technologies are unmixed blessings. Only good, all good, no questions asked. There perhaps even is a correlation. The greater the wonder of a technology, the greater perhaps its negative consequences. Neil Postman says, perhaps the best way I can express this idea is to say that the question, what will the new technology do, is no more important than the question, what will the new technology undo? Indeed, that question is more important precisely because it is asked so infrequently. So the cell phone, it's great, right? But what has the cell phone undone? Again, we've all seen it. We've all seen it. Phones that were so connected, but were also so disconnected. Oh, but FaceTime's great, isn't it? Yeah, but letter writing was also wonderful in a lot of really powerful, amazing ways. So is the trade-off worth it? I don't know, you decide. I know that the cell phone has made us more isolated, perhaps, than ever before. Two people can be sitting in a bed together, two, two, a, a husband and wife laying in bed, both on their cell phones and on totally different planets. Is that better? Is that connection? Oh, well, we're more connected to who and how. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. 
By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. I just so desperately want people to think about the negative consequences of new technologies. That's Neil Postman's first point. Second point from Neil Postman, technology changes how we think. He says, you've heard the old adage that says to a man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. We may extend that truism to a person with a pencil. Everything looks like a sentence to a person with a TV camera. Everything looks like an image to a person with a computer. Everything looks like data. We live in a computer age and we have been reduced into data. This is me talking right now, by the way. Not as end quote for Neil Post. You are data in an algorithm on the internet. That's who you are. Is, is your life better for it? Maybe in some ways. But the computer doesn't just change how people think of you. You're now just a number or data point. It also changes how you think. The computer person, which is what we all are, values information not knowledge and certainly not wisdom postman says indeed in the computer age the concept of wisdom may vanish altogether the concept of wisdom may vanish altogether can an ai chatbot have wisdom what happens when we are a society that is controlled by the knowledge the information of artificial intelligence but completely lacks wisdom and, of course, completely lacks a connection with God. Politics is an example of this de-evolution, this process of idiocracy. Neil Postman says that the people who've had the most radical effect on American politics, it's probably not most of us think, the people who've had the most radical effect on American politics, they're not college professors or Karl Marx. Or, it's people in dark suits and gray ties. Huh? the people who managed the large television industry in America. They did not mean to turn political discourse into a form of entertainment. They did not mean to make it impossible for an overweight person to run for high political office. They did not mean to reduce political campaigning to a 30-second TV commercial. All they were trying to do is to make television into a vast and unsleeping money machine. That they destroyed the substantive political discourse in the process does not concern them. End quote. And it wasn't their goal. <laughs> it's just what happened. Technology changes what is thought of you. And it changes how you think. And I don't like that. Third point. And I think this is the most important point for this episode. Although those other two, like the first, the two we just shared, like if you think about them deeply, it can change your life. Change how you view the world, no question. But this one is relevant for the artificial intelligence discussion. He, uh, Neil Postman says that technology has become mythic. What does that mean, mythic? He says, I use this word in the sense in which it was used by the French literary critic Roland Barthes. He used the word myth 
to refer to a common tendency to think of our technological creations as if they were God-given, as if they were part of a natural order of things. Mm, interesting. So like just time has elapsed. And well, of course, we have this now. Of course, there's a car. Of course, there's airplanes. Of course, there's the internet. Of course, there's computers. Of course, of course, of course. I've asked on occasion, or I've on occasion asked my students if they know when the alphabet was invented. The question astonishes them. It's as if I asked them when clouds and trees were invented. The alphabet, they believe, was not something that was invented. It just is. It is this way with many products of human culture, but with none more consistently than technology. Cars, planes, TV, movies, newspapers. They have achieved mythic status because they are perceived as gifts of nature, not as artifacts produced in a specific political and historical context. When a technology becomes mythic, it is always dangerous because it is then accepted as it is and is therefore not easily susceptible to modification or control. If you should propose to the average American that television broadcasting should not begin until 5 p.m. and should cease at 11 p.m. This is interesting. What if, what if the government said we should only have television from 5 to 11 at night? That's it. Everyone would think that idea ridiculous, but not because he disagrees with your cultural agenda. He would think it ridiculous because he assumes you are proposing that something in nature be changed, as if you're suggesting that the sun should rise at 10 a.m. instead of 6. So because of this, we think that all technological progress is good, no questions asked. Elon Musk wants to put computer chips in our brains. <laughs> Everyone's like, great, no problem. Elon's idea is that the only thing that's slowing down technological progress right now is the speed of our thumbs. We can only move our thumbs so quickly. So he wants to bypass the thumb and you're just connect. You have like it's the size of a piece of rice and it's in your brain. So you're just constantly connected to the internet and you can control everything with your brain just like that. So if you want to turn on the lights, boom, and you can ask the internet questions and uh, immediately get answers right to your brain. And people are like, Oh, that's great. It's progress. It's faster, more convenient. It's wonderful. And no one says, wait, wait a second. If my brain is always connected to the internet. Doesn't that mean that the internet is always connected to my brain? And if I can send stuff from my, from my brain to the internet, doesn't that mean that someone can send stuff from the internet into my brain? And how do I know what thoughts are mine and what thoughts are the internet's? And who's controlling this internet connected to my brain? Like no one asks these questions because technologies are idle. We have to bow down to it. It is only good. Anything else later? What could possibly be a biblical story that relates to this? Check it out. Exodus 31. Bezalel and Aholiab. Bezalel and Aholiab. What? All right. So this is Exodus 31. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for settings, and in carving wood to work in every craft. So this is not only uh, beautiful craftsmanship, but this is technology. And behold, I have appointed with him a holy app, and I have given to all able men the ability that they may make all that I have commanded you the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony and the mercy seat that is on it and all the furnishings of the tent and a table and its utensils and the pure lampstand with all its utensils and 
the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering with all of its utensils and the basin and its stand. I'm going over this to prove that there's a lot of stuff that they're working on here. And the finely worked garments, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons, and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. Wow. These two men, Bezalel and Aholiab. So great. God filled these people with the spirit of God, the spirit of God, and the ability to create these things, working in gold, silver, and bronze to build the temple and worship God. And what did they, the people do with this new technology, these new skills? Well, we don't have to read far. The next chapter, Exodus 32, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of this land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are on your ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hands and fashioned it with a graving tool technology and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow you shall be the feast of the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. You idiots! <laughs> you absolute idiot! One chapter later, like God gave the Israelites this ability. And what did they do with it? One chapter, chapter later. So the point here is these new technologies were supposed to be used, could have been used, of course, to worship God and give glory to God. Maybe that's true today too. But if you want to use new technology to glorify God, it requires you to be very intentional. I can use this laptop sitting in front of me to find ancient resources to learn from and, and broadcast this podcast to encourage you. Or I can use it to do horrific things. Let's pray we use this new technology that's coming to glorify God like they were supposed to do in Exodus 31 and did not do in Exodus 32. And if we don't use it to glorify God, well, we're just like the people of Genesis 11 when they created bricks and mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a, and a tower with its top in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. Ooh, let us make a name for ourselves. So what did God do? He confused their language and spread them out all over the world and they stopped building Entirely, of course, they couldn't talk to each other. When we do things for our own glory, like the Tower of Babel, it may work for a while, like they built some of the tower, but it won't work in the end. We have to be very careful of how we use new technology. No one else out there is thinking this way. No one else out there is thinking, hmm, <laughs> I don't know if this is a great idea. And, and I think while we think it's okay to stop. And it's certainly okay to say, stop. We are not letting this into our house. Remember, there's this big push of, we need kids to learn on iPads. It's the brand hip, new, awesome, amazing thing. And it's wonderful. And you can't ask any questions. And there are a lot of people who are like, I don't know. Like books are good. We just use books, which by the way, we're a technology away as well, of course. 
Uh, but I think books. I think we should go stick with the book. Like, no, you got to use iPads. We're going to spend billions of dollars to buy iPads for schools. I don't know. Have those been better? No. Actually, I do know. They have not been better. Certain new technologies, you must take a stand until we know about them more, at least. And we do not let them in this house. So what's in my control? We always end the podcast with this. Well, at that point, you decide what you let in your house. We should do another special on cell phones and kids. But it's true with uh, more than just cell phones. It's all technology. It is changing how our kids and all of us think. Goethe was a German poet, late 1700s, early 1800s. He said, one should each day try to hear a little song, read a good poem, see a fine picture, and if possible, speak a few reasonable words. A couple of friends of mine and I started a, a poetry group every Saturday morning, 530, 5.30 to 7, before the kids wake up was the only time we could fit it into our week. Uh, we get around and we read poetry. We started Art of Manliness as a website uh, with the top 20 poems every man should reach. We started there and we've, we haven't stopped and it's been going for three and a half years. And the, my reason for starting this was I noticed that as I was preparing for the radio show, I would just skim things. I would skim news articles and then I would try to read a book or read something more, more important. And I couldn't, my brain, I was weak. My, my reading muscles were very, very weak. I couldn't keep focus and I, and I couldn't stop from skimming and it was not good. So I said, I, I gotta, I gotta learn how to think deeply again. I gotta work those muscles out. So for an hour and a half, we'd read poems from a book. That's the important part. It's a reading from a book slowly. Like you read a poem and you're like, I have no idea what that was. Okay. And I love this feeling. Like, I don't know what that poem meant at all. So you go back, you read the first sentence again. You think about it. You talk about it. Like, okay. Now the second sentence, like that process of slowing down has been really, uh, really good. First Corinthians. So, so what's in my control? Focus on what's in your house. I, I think you should err on the side of keeping it all out. That should be your knee jerk default reaction. If I may is no. And then slowly, purposefully allow technology in. And if you already have technology in your house, you're the adult, kick it out again. You're in charge. Then, it's point one. Point two, try to hear a little song, read a good poem, see a fine picture, speak a few reasonable words every single day. These are human things. That's the important. They're human things. A human wrote a song. Human wrote, uh, wrote the poem. A human painted the picture. And you as a human can speak reasonable words. Human beings. When this artificial intelligence really takes off, it's going to take over relationships as well. People will, I'm not kidding. I think this is crazy. People will be dating artificial intelligence robots. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, whole, it's a whole new world <laughs> coming our way. So humans, real life things made from humans are going to be all the more precious. Oh, but Slater, I should do this because it's a thing. And if it's a thing, that means God made it. First Corinthians 6, 12, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power 
of any. Raise your hand if you know anyone who is addicted to technology. Your hand better be up. It's lawful, but not helpful. So what final thought should we leave with today? I got to get to sleep, Slater. How can I sleep soundly? Psalm 8. Start with verse 3. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? That you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Uh, the, the idea that God made everything. God made everything. So let's not only interact with humans, let's make sure we always stay connected to him and his creation. And know, and this is the most important thing, I started off with the world in 10 years from now will be as different as the world was 100 years ago. That is true. And what is also true is God will be no different. He will be the exact same. He never changes. That's our episode, Politics by Faith. Hey, shoot me an email if you like the morning motivations or how you maybe would want those to be a little different. No need to uh, uh, give me a compliment sandwich. If you listened to 34 minutes of this show, we are friends. It is all good. Iron sharpens iron. Just send me a quick note. Be like, I don't like them. <laughs> or maybe you can be a little more helpful. Than that. Hey, maybe you do a little more of this or a little more life or a little more politics or a little more, a little more this, but I don't know. Whatever you think there are. Cause I, I really want to get those down. Cause I think that could be a good little quick little thing if I, if I do it well. So I want to make sure we get that right. So anyway, Slater radio at gmail.com is my email. Grateful for you. Thank you for being here. Let's get to sleep. No more anxiety. God will never change. The whole world is changing around us. God will never change. It will always be the same. Politics by Faith. Mike Slayer.